Hi there, and welcome to the Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion, where our main aim is education through a conversation. Through our conversations, delve deep into all things related to the tradesperson contracting community, from news to education to industry happenings, helping you do better business while building a better and improved South African tradesmen and women contracting community. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. A very warm welcome to our audience members. My name is Willem Klopper. I'll be your host. And in this episode, we will discuss the path to success with one of the captains of the plumbing industry, Mr. Gary Chandler. Where did Gary start? How did he achieve the successes that he has? Most of us have great dreams and aspirations, either as individuals or for our companies. And the objective of this conversation is to shed some light on the fact that one may start small, but that one can grow and progress to achieve our dreams and our aspirations. A little motivation and inspiration can make a big difference. Now, with me in studio, I've got my two anchors, Mr. Steve Brown from IOPSA, as well as Ms. Lorraine Moy from IOPSA. And then, of course, our main guest of honor, Mr. Gary Chandler from Plumlink. And Gary, if I may, I would like you to just introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit to, about yourself. Where are you from? What makes you tick? What are you passionate about? And what are your hobbies? What do you do for relaxation? Tell us about Gary as a person. Right. Good afternoon, everybody. That's a long and uh, colorful history that I have. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe, call it 50 years ago. Uh, we came to South Africa in 81 uh, with uh, my parents, obviously. Um, did high school, the mediocre high school at the end of it, uh, mediocre matric. I did three years in the army. And after the three years in the army, we completed. I started as a picker at a company called Saffron Company. Uh, that would have been in 91, so it's almost 30 years ago now. Um, stuck around there for probably three or four years, worked my way through. I became an external sales rep, uh, calling the whole of the northern province. Um, my dad, that by that stage, is also, I suppose you could call him a captain of industry as well. He's also been, been in the plumbing industry his whole life. Uh, he was a sales director at a company called Brennan Buchmann. Um, he left them and started, we started, I guess he started a business called Petersburg Plumbing Supplies. That was in 92. Um, that was him and my ex-wife. And uh, basically, that was where my growing up started, I guess. Um, I joined the business in probably about 95 after leaving Saffa. Uh it was a small little family-owned business, plumbing supply business, um, and we went from strength to strength. We took on all the big boys, the plumblings of the, <laughs> strangely enough, I sit on this side of the table now, but yeah, it was taking on all the, all the big guys, and uh, we did very well, and uh, that lasted until October 2005, strangely enough, from 92, the 1st of October 92 to the 1st of October 2005, where we actually sold the business to Plumbling. so that family concern came to an end, and uh, I then started as plumbing in Polokwane. That was really what it was. That was, like I said, October 2005. Came to Johannesburg about 12 years ago um, as, as the regional manager for the Gauteng region. Um, worked my way through that into a position called contracts manager. Um, I was appointed as the commercial director of plumbing probably, I guess, about five or six years ago now. And um, from the 1st of January this year, I was be, I've been made the CEO of Plumbing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a long and colorful and uh, a career I guess I'm, I'm very proud of. Right. That's just the basic history of my, my life, I guess, in the plumbing industry over the last 30 years. <laughs> so, Gary, you're from Limpopo. You're from, from Polokwane. I am indeed. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, then, uh, 
Capricorn High School. Capricorn High School. Great Cap- school. Well, Capricorn. Look, there's a lot of good guys that have come out of Capricorn, I'm yes, sure. Yeah. Although, so, yeah, yeah. They are. I can, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dougie Wade. We all know Dougie Wade. Yeah. Plumbing industry. He's from Capricorn. Uh, Derek Zip, as far as I understand it, from industrial plumbing, was also an ex-Capricornian. So there are a good, cu- good couple of few of us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think uh, Giovanni, also from uh, that started up with, with Pavia, he also came out of Capricorn. Correct. Yes, it must have been something in the water in that time of the age that, you know, everything got sorted there. <laughs> must be, Steve. Must be. <laughs> I, th- I think, Steve, it's a small town thing because I'm from, you know, from the Eastern Cape and the backwaters of whatever. You so see. I think it's, I think it's a small town thing, Gary. <laughs> it's, it's, and that's I how agree. we get along, Gary. Absolutely. Lorraine's, Lorraine's <laughs> quite know, nice. It's a small town thing. Well, well, it's a small town thing. I think you guys from the big cities, you know, you're missing something that the rest of us have in our water. Couldn't agree more. Lorraine, then we're going to have, more. then we're going to have a very good conversation because, because I'm from Petersburg as well. Oh, you are? I, I am well, actually from, from PHS, the oh, Afrikaans, okay. the Afrikaans. Well, so I'm the only Afrikaans boy around the table. Small world. Small world. Yeah, well then it must be something in the water because I met Gary and everybody else up there in uh, Petersburg as well in my time that I was up that part of the world. So yeah, let's just call it the Polakwadi podcast or something now, you know? <laughs> the <laughs> Popo podcast. Well, Stephen, it does go well. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, we've done well. <laughs> well, we've got a, we've got a couple of Springbok rugby players who also come Absolutely. from Polakwadi. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, so you've you've told us um, where you're from and uh, you've, you've given us a little bit of insight of how you worked your way up in plumbing, how you got into plumbing. Mm-hmm. Where, where it all started, the company, yes. family company, etc. Um, can I just ask you, you as a person, um, what 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 are you passionate about? What makes Gary tick? Ah, I guess I'm I'm passionate about everything I do. But let me, if I'm honest, it's uh, you know I think if you ask my kids, it's probably a better a better question. Um, you know, I've always maintained there's no point in doing something if you don't do it properly. Um, I think you've got to give everything that you have to give um, around anything you do doesn't matter what it is, sport, whatever you're doing. Um, I think uh, probably the most important is to understand that you, you're not the, the be-all, end-all and make-all. There's always people that know more than you do. Uh, listen to them. Um, you know, don't be driven by them, but certainly listen to them and take the ideas and see that you can make it you know, help yourself grow. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as far as, as far as I think there's a lot of people that call me passionate i like to believe that i'm very passionate i'm passionate about the plumbing industry for one mm-hmm. but i think it's 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 more than that it's a passion about everything you do in life you know if you do something there's no point in doing something to half measures mm-hmm. um you know half a half a half an effort gives you half a result so you know if, if anything that's probably the most important thing and i guess it's one of my life sort of you know, whether it's not something I, I, I try to do or concentrate on doing, I think it just comes naturally if you teach yourself that. Um, <clears throat> I think if you've uh, come from, let's call it difficult circumstances, um, you know, it's, life has not been necessarily easy for everybody and certainly for myself. You know, a couple of years in the army, I went to the army and I was 17, just turned 17. Yeah, I got home and my bedroom was no longer there. My dad had turned his ensuite bathroom. <laughs> 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 but, uh, a clear uh, indication of the direction of, of the career that you may follow. Well, followed. yeah, it, it was made very clear to me, um, you know, probably a couple of weeks before matric finished. And, uh, you know, they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I'd love to go to, and I'd still like to do it, you know, going to Wits Tech at the time and go and do industrial design, you know, take take a product and make it better. Mm. Um, he then asked me how, how I planned to fund that. Um, and, of course, I didn't have the answer. And three weeks later, I was on the train 
came to the army. So yeah, you know, but but in in all of that, you know, trying to achieve and you know, making the best of your bad circumstances, you know, people, some people hated the army. I, I got along well. Um, again, you 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 take what you have and try and do the best of what you have with what you have, and make it as as good as you can. So it was a good uh, starting point for me, and I, I like to believe that I I like to believe that that I do carry that through in every sphere of life, be it personal, business, whatever it might be, you know. Sport. I wish my golf would work that way, but it doesn't. I was going to say that, Gary. You know, I wish you'd do that with the golf, and then pass your tips on to me because we're both rubbish. Steve, I don't know they call throwing clubs around. Is passionate. Anyway. Yeah, I'm passionate. How I throw it, you know, that's the thing. You know, <laughs> my caddy says to me, "What must he want? The ball or my club?" And I've just let him choose. Lorraine, you say you've seen. I've both, seen them Gary. both of them golf. It was wow. Wow, wow, wow. both of them. Both of them. Gary and- yes, it was it was very interesting. I'm better than Steve. <laughs> no, I, I, look, anybody's better than me. You know, a man with no legs and arms can play better golf than me, Gary. You, I'm you just there it. to drive the cart and cause uh, mayhem. He's a very good golf cart driver, though. Very that's good. true. That's very true. Good. Very good. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that, that's yeah, passionate. I think that's just really what it is, uh, Gary. That's uh, that's uh, uh, you know I find that very interesting. And now we've mentioned golf, and and one of my other questions would have been what your hobbies are and what you do for relaxation. Yeah. And, and I can deduce uh, deduce from what uh, from what you're saying that golf is one of your hobbies and one of your. Uh, I try, I try, Willem. You know, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things that you, I guess, doesn't matter how much effort you know. It's also about the talent. So uh, yeah, look, I enjoy my golf. It can frustrate you, but I think it also keeps you on the straight and narrow. It really does. You know, it, it, it can it can build you up and it can take you down. I guess it's like life. You can have a wonderful round and you can have a, uh, I'll be careful of how I call it, you can have a shocking round. That's probably the right word. But you can keep coming back because you can't give up. You've got to persevere. Um, so golf is one of the few things. I do enjoy relaxing at home. I really do. I enjoy having a braai. Um, enjoy having my kids around. Um, they're not kids anymore. They're all grown up. But, uh, you know, something like that, I enjoy cooking. Uh, I really enjoy cooking. Um, a glass of wine, a beer, whatever it might be. Um, but but cooking takes up a lot of my time, and I really enjoy it. It's not something I do every night, um, but uh, I really enjoy cooking, and, and and that sort of pastime. And it also sort of clears your head a little bit. It's something different, you know. It's not something you have to concentrate on. Uh, it, it's really different to your sort of, especially my daily life and and how things work and such like. So, but yeah, golf, a bit of cooking. I do enjoy relaxing. I a weekend away in the bush is fantastic. I like to sit on the beach, get a bit of a suntan and and whatever. But uh, yeah, socialising with my mates, you know, having a, a good chat around the fire. Not not too much uh, simple country guy you know what I mean nothing nothing too extravagant um, and I, I I do have a very old um, I say very old I've got an old 18 year old uh, E55 Mercedes Benz which is my pride and joy I love that car it's it's far too fast for me, but uh, it's good fun and it keeps my blood flowing. So that's the that's the secret passion, if you want to call it that. And then the motorbikes, the GP, you know, the GP bikes. I've always my kids have always been into motorbikes. I've always been into motorbikes. I'm careful about riding them these days, but um, yeah, the motorsport for me is a is a big thing. Absolutely enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, that Gary, that sounds very interesting. Um, the- uh, there, there was there was one thing that I was thinking about now, Gary, while you were talking about that. Um, uh, for the life of me, That's we're going to have to edit May, may I just interject? Um, Steve, how long have you known Gary for? Well, we give away our age now. You know, many, many, many years. Yeah, it's got to be, I'd, I'd say, Steve, when you're up there, it's, it's got to be at least 28, 29 years, I think, around about. Yeah, 29, 30 years, yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. So right. as long as I've been alive. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
that's a key. Thought. And Gary, in terms of of role models and mentors, you know, anybody that or people that stand out. I mean, I know you've obviously mentioned your dad, but yeah. any sort of role models or mentors that you've had that you you've learned from, and you know that type of thing. Steve, yeah, there are. There's, there's my dad. My dad certainly stands out to me. Um, you know, it, it, it sounds cliche, but it, it's not. You know, again, you know, coming from coming from Zim in those years, we didn't really have much when we came here. He basically started on the counter, basically, you know, from nothing again. Um, yeah, and eventually became a sales director of an old Bomet company. Everybody knows Bomet in the plumbing industry. Um, so yeah, he was he was he was a major mentor, I would think. Um, but there's been others, you know, through my life. There's there's uh, certainly the guys in the army. That was where I was taught. Well, put it this way: I was put on the straight and narrow in the army because I wasn't exactly a model scholar. So you got some rushing, eh? I got some rushing, absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly needed it. Um, yeah. But you know, there, there was a guy there. His name's Corporal Nell. I've never seen the guy again. But you know, it was it was that was really honestly where you 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 get the instill belief your belief system comes in you know you you think you cannot do something and you end up being able to do it in the end if you if you give yourself a chance i worked at a bakery every single week of my life basically from standard six to matric every saturday and sunday there was a an old guy there that that owned the business his name was uh, um mr buchman uh ivan buchman um he taught me something that I've learned and I'll, I'll stick with. You know, he, he told me a business succeeds not because it's big or it's profitable or it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know, corporate business or something like that. I'm talking about Senate 8. He said to me, a business, a business succeeds because there's people in it to live it, dream it, eat it and sleep it every day of their lives. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that, that sort of thing has also stuck with me forever. And then again, you know, going back to what I said to you about, about doing everything completely and fully, um, uh, being fair to people costs nothing to be civil. It costs nothing to be nice. Um, honesty is a huge thing for me. Um, any, any, uh, it, 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 honesty is good news. It can be bad news. It depends what it is. But at least if it's honest, at least you can't lie to anybody. And you'll never get caught out. I've been taught that from various role models. Getting back to your question, Steve, through the through the time, you know, no clock. If I think in the plumbing industry when I was young and impressionable, I guess I still am young and impressionable. <laughs> I remember Mervyn Jordan, strangely enough. Mervyn, Mervyn was a big part of things. Uh, Bill Randall. Jeez, uh, I've got to go back a little bit. He was one of the old guys that worked at, at DPI. So he's passed on. I can't recall his name now. It was like my name of Bob Haynes at DPI Plastics. Um, a lot of industry captains, you know, Colin Anderson. Um, lots of guys that, 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 you know, we're now sitting basically pouring drinks for all the old guys that I guess are were in positions that I'm in now. Um, you know, you sit and you learn. And uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned was also, you know, you have two eyes and two ears and one mouth. Uh, you, you must look and listen twice as much as you talk, you know. So, you know, those sort of things were really, those were the, you know, it's interesting, captains of industry, I see is what the paper reads. You know, I was taught by those guys, you know what I mean? They were, they were really wonderful people in the plumbing industry. They still are. Um, a lot of them, have, unfortunately, a guy like Leo Hogan, he was ultimately my journeyman, shame, he passed on a few years ago. Um, but I've had good mentors, I've had good teachers, and I've been, I've been very lucky. But I do believe also that I've, that I've taken the time to learn it, you know, again, I don't have a, I'm not a CA, I'm not a, I don't have a, a qualification. I made it my business to learn product, um, to learn how it works, to learn the application of the product. And that stood me in good stead, you know, and I, I really, I guess I didn't have a choice starting as a picker in the warehouse. So, <laughs> you know, that that's really worked for me. And uh, I, I guess if, if I may, as a, 
I guess, as a captain of industry, being in the industry for a long time. That's what I can tell people. That's what I tell our staff. I'm very proud of my roots, I'll be honest. I really am. And uh, I think, you know, if, if, if I can go from, from being a picker as ultimately a general assistant and eventually run a business like Plumlink, it's, yeah, it's... Uh, Makes you a bit nearer, but it also makes me very proud. But it, it means that anybody can do it, really, if you if you persevere. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that you know, I think just the, in the way that you've described it, you know, how everybody's followed the careers. I mean, you know, to go from where you are, you know, and and like you say, you're not coming in with any, you know, uh, chartered accountants or degrees or whatever. You just come in by rolling up your sleeves and you know, becoming that sponge and absorbing and becoming that go-to person. You know, that nothing is uh, unachievable. You know, you got a can-do attitude attitude rather than a can't attitude and I think that's what separates a lot of guys from from the rest I think so, Stephen. I do agree with that. You know, it might sound very conceited coming from me, but but it's true. It, it's is that no substitute for hard work? Absolutely no substitute. Gary, if I could just also, if I could just also add to that, Please. you know, coming from 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 working yourself up from the bottom up upwards, I think being the guy who rolls up your sleeve, like like Steve, the the term that uh, Steve mentioned, yes. rolling up your sleeve and, yeah. and being the one who does the hard work, yeah. And and then finally ending up into into a, a, a position where you have to run a business, yes, and you have to make business decisions. Yes, I mean we've got we've got you know plumbers are audience, and we've got plumbers they, the guys who dig in the trenches, they're the sure. guys who work they're the tradespersons, yes, who work with their hands, they've got their trades, mm-hmm. but um you know eventually they've got dreams and aspirations of 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 achieving more than just digging the trenches the whole time. They want to build a company, they want want to employ people, and they they want to head towards the direction of 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 achieving more than what what they're doing yeah. right now yeah absolutely and 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 there must have been something it must have been a, a a long curve a learning curve for you to go from the person who does the hard work to the person who actually now is in a is such a senior position where you have to make such corporate decisions mm-hmm. um if you can just shed some light on that. Yeah, look, I think, you know, for me again, you know, if, if you take it, you know, it, 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 yes, you have to run a big business. You have to be responsible, you know. But again, if you've if if you if you've, if you've been honest with yourself and taken responsibility for your actions from day one, from when you're a lighty at 15 and 16 and 17 years old and such like, you know, that never changes, you know. Uh, yes, the decisions might become a bit bigger. But, you know, if you again, if you've always done it honestly, if you've always worked it around what you honestly believe is right and wrong, you know, there's no gray area in a, in a right and wrong scenario. It's either right or it's wrong. There's no, there's no two ways about it. So yes, I, I do. There's there's obviously very pressing decisions that I need to make as the as the CEO. Um, but again, you evaluate them the same as you would the same decision you would have evaluated when you were 21 around whether you're going to do something or not do something. You know, um, obviously the types of decisions are very are, are different. But you know, but again, you know, I think if you've if you if you if you haven't been sort of disciplined in and honest around what you've done, you you can't. I don't believe that somebody can just change. You know what I mean? So if you've always taken a shortcut, hell, it's a lot of work to try and. If you look in the mirror and you know that you've taken a shortcut, you know what I'm saying? It's very difficult to try and fix that. Uh, maybe I've just been fortunate and maybe again we go back to the mentors and I did skip one and I should really mention him for the sake of the argument, which was Seaweed, obviously, our previous CEO. I mean, I worked with, with him. I'm not going to say I worked for him because we don't work for each other. We work with each other. 
Um, and, and I've learned a lot from seaweed as well, you know. So but those types of decisions, again, having spent a lot of time with seaweed, the previous CEO, you, 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 you do learn. And again, going back to what I said right in the beginning, you know, if you learn product, if you learn anything that you're involved with, if you learn it and you become the master of it, nobody can take that away from you. Whether whether it carries a piece of paper, a formal piece of paper to tell you how clever you are, I don't think people need a formal piece of paper to tell them how clever they are. The guy that you mentioned digging the trenches that has an aspiration to run his own business, he doesn't need a piece of paper to tell him that he can get out the trench. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it becomes a personal belief thing. Um, Yes, it's hard work, and, and, and certainly the guy digging the trench, and it, I, I'm not being derogatory, it will be more difficult for that guy to go forward possibly than some others. But when the opportunities come along, you need to be able to, firstly, is to recognize them, and secondly, to action them, and then to actually make it work. Don't sit back. You can't sit back. Nothing comes for nothing. So, yeah, Willem, uh, to answer your question briefly on, on the, the decision-making, again, you just be honest with yourself decide whether it's right or wrong and, and go with it. You know, you're not going to get them all right. You're certainly not going to get them all right. But I think if you can get 90% of them right, you're going to be, you're going to be successful. I think, I think it goes along with uh, your experience, your knowledge, and, uh, uh, you know, the companies, uh, competencies that you've gained along the way and, and, and along your path, your, your path of growth. Um, to, to success and to where you are today. And when it comes to your decisions and, and, and uh, the risks that that in within your position, the kind of decisions that you have to make, it's all about uh, taking pride in what you do. Absolutely. Taking ownership and, and accountability for what you do. Yeah, I believe you always, and again, talk to my kids, always do the right thing. It costs nothing. Just do the right thing. You know, um, that's all it is. But I think, Gary, what also comes out of this now, you know, within the plumbing industry and, you know, your involvement there is that, you know, we have this continuous professional development for the plumber. But, you know, from what I'm hearing from you, you know, in terms of where you are, and that's been your attitude is to continuously professionally develop yourself within that industry of plumbing, you know, that you get to know those products and everything else. So, again, even though, you know, it's not a part of what you are, but it's a continuous growth every day that you have to continuously uh, keep up to speed with products and trends and everything. I mean, is that really a big part in, in terms of where you are with that? Absolutely, Steve. You know, the CPD programs, you know, I don't, I don't actively partake in them, to be honest. I, I don't because I like to believe that, you know, again, the stuff that I do every day, you know, I'm not, I'm not, of course, I'm involved in the plumbing industry. Um, but, you know, for me, if I, if I if I put it into context and I talk about the actual artisans, the plumbers, the guys that belong to uh, OPSA and PRB and such like, you know, I, I think it's inexcusable. If you're making a living out of the out of the plumbing industry that you on on top of the plumbing industry you know at the end of it you know the plumber's got more of a qualification than i hold at the, if you think about it uh, the fact that they that they don't upskill themselves well that's part of what i was talking about and you know you can't then look in the mirror and blame everybody if you haven't upskilled yourself if you haven't partaken in the cpd programs if you if you don't make it your business to understand your industry certainly to understand your job but even you know bigger than bigger than your job is even the industry you know if you don't know that a, a certain product does a certain uh, has a certain function and it can't be used in any other way well whose fault is it but your own if you don't know that so you know i don't again i'm not a plumber um I, w I wouldn't say I would be one. Um, I, I think I carry the. I've seen enough over the trade counter in my 30 years in the industry. I could probably solve more problems than most, and it's not a conceited thing because I've seen pretty much every problem. But 
if a plumber doesn't if a plumber doesn't make himself or fay with what he should be or fay with, you know, to me it's like a I don't know I liken it to an archer in an army. Let's call it or an old army where you had archers. He hasn't really given the time of day to try and teach himself how to use a bow and arrow. You know, he's going to die in battle. That's really what it comes down to. So, you know, to me, I think it's inexcusable. And the guys do they hide behind it. They 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 want. Uh, certain people, let me put it that that certain individuals want CPD to be just something that's given to them, and I, I think it's it's wrong. You know, if you if you were taught in at Bifsa thirty years ago to do a I don't know to wipe a lead joint or to to do a chimney flashing, and that's the qualification you hold, and you you now required to install a a technical product that's you know thirty years younger than the the, the actually practical <laughs> test that you did in those years. You know you have to upskill yourself. You can't lay back and say you know you, you honestly cannot believe that a CA. Let's use a CA, and I shouldn't talk on this because it's certainly not my 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 strong point. But a CA. He, a guy that got his his, his chartered accountant uh, paper, if you want to call it that, a qualification thirty years ago. You know the the, the tax rules have changed. If he, if he doesn't stay ahead of that, he's going to fall behind. And I think a plumber needs to be the same. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't see that a business like like plumbing necessarily or the plumbing merchant. Let me let me not say plumbing, but why should a plumbing merchant be the be the person or the the business that becomes the expertise on a product? It should be the plumber. As far as I'm concerned, some guys will differ with me, and they have over the years. But you know, um, yes, there will be a training element that needs to come into it. But at the end of it, you know, you can I can I can I can train a brick to learn more than a guy that doesn't want to learn. So you have to you have to want to learn something too. And then in terms of your travels, uh, Gary, I mean, I know you've travelled all over the world and you've been there, but is that something that 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 you enjoy doing? And where are your favourite places to go? And uh, even within South Africa, obviously, where you travel, so you've travelled quite a bit. Steve, I'm very fortunate. You know, again, I guess this is a, a perk that comes with with doing what I did, uh, what I still do currently at Plumbing, because as the commercial director, obviously, it involves a lot of products. So yes, I'm able to go and. <laughs> Uh, you know, to the east, obviously, unfortunately, most stuff is, is made in the east. Um, but yeah, you know, Spain, I've been to to Italy, I've been all over Europe, to be honest. And yes, it is a perk of the job, but it's, you know, of course, you can have a cold beer, but you've also got to work. You know, so there's, there's I have been, I've been privileged enough to see that. Um, you know, I, again, in my position at Plumlink, um, not necessarily as CEO, but, you know, in, in all the time I've been there, obviously getting around to all our stores, and um, I haven't seen them all yet, unfortunately, probably only about 60% of them. But yes, to get down to the regions, and you obviously, you know, geographically, you get across the country, which is nice, but I, I still haven't been to our branch in Richards Bay, for example. I've, you know, there's, there's lots that I haven't been to, and I, I need to get down there if I have the time. But um, yeah, it, it, it has enabled me to do that, Steve. And, you know, to visit factories and to understand our product are made and, and um, you know, the processes that, that make a product a better product than others. Um, you know, by visiting factories, I've been to very many factories in my life and I've, I've been very fortunate that way. But again, it goes right back to the beginning where, where you decide to upskill yourself. And although it's not a, it's not a diploma, you know, there's not a lot of products and it sounds really conceited, but I'm going to say there's not a lot of product on the market in the plumbing industry that I'm not fairly or fair with. I can give you a good indication on it. Yeah, well, I've been to Plum Lincoln Riches Bay and you need to go and visit there because they really are a top bunch of uh, the ladies that were there. Um, really, you know, set a, a shiny light up that way. So so anyway, I've got one over there. So just make sure you, you go and on your travels, go up and see them. <laughs> I'll do that, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> retouching on that subject of upskilling yourself and CPD and continual professional development. Um, I think that, that I've, I've had a word with Rich 
Richard Bailey, one of the auditors at IOPSA. And uh, Richard said to me, you know what, Willem, when I, when I started in the plumbing industry as a plumber uh, X amount of years ago, I only had two people to teach me what to do. And what I knew about plumbing back then was what I learned from those two or those three people. And what plumbers to, in today's life and with all the technology and all the, 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 all the methods that are out there, put out there for them to upskill and learn and to to develop themselves and to grow and to make progression, to progress. I think uh, Steve touched on that, uh, Richard touched on that, and he said, you know, it's amazing to know what is out there for the guys to learn from. And I think, Lorraine, you, you might fill in on that, and I think you've got some very valuable information to contribute to that. I think my only contribution is that um, at the end of the day, it's about an investment. And I think Gary encompasses what happens when you invest in yourself. And that is what continuous professional development is what is about. I mean, myself as a plumber, um, when I got my qualification uh, a couple of years ago, what I knew and what I know now, it's it's a totally different thing. It's it's it actually blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, sure, I was quite arrogant at the time, but now I'm, <laughs> I'm more equipped because I understand. And that is a thing. And and what Gary encompasses, what I try to tell all the plumbers, it's about investing in yourself, and then you'll get a return on your investment. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And that is the most important thing about continuous professional development and yourself taking your career seriously enough, like Gary has over the years and going through from being a packer and now a CEO of a very large, I mean, company. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens simply because you dedicate yourself to something, you invest in yourself, you invest in those around you to make yourself a better leader. And that is what Gary encompasses. And that's what I wish and I want the plumbers to understand out there or just tradesmen in general is that invest in yourself and you will reap the rewards. I think that's so true. That's, so true. true. that's a nice compliment, Lorraine. Thank you. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of CPD and continual professional development, I know that that fits in with some of the uh, registration bodies of, of plumbers and uh, specifically PIRB, IOPSA. Um, Gary, tell us about your involvement with the, the PRB and IOPSA. So, I guess it started, geez, I've got to try and get my bearings around this. Obviously, I was up in Polokwane. It was at Petersburg Plumbing Supplies. I headed up the, whatever the region was called at the time. I think it might have been the far north region. I think it was, I tried to get the thing going up there, the Institute of Plumbing. Um, it was obviously a long time before PRB. Um, I think I was the chairman up there for a year or two, if I recall. I really can't remember the, the timelines, but I guess it would have been uh, mid to late 90s, I would think. Um that was where, again, people like Mervyn Jordan and Bill Randall. Um, yeah, we, we, we you know, it, 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 I think the plumbing industry at the time was, was a little bit fragmented. You know, you had guys that did plumbing in there, you know, but there was no, there was no body. When I say nobody, no professional body like the RB. And, and the OPSA was, was newish. Um, uh, the guys, I guess, up in Polokwane were a little bit, um, they didn't feel they needed anything, you know, it was just, you know, it was a waste of money, you know. I do think that that perception has changed over time. But I do remember having a, a couple of um, meetings with the guys and really trying to get them on board. And, you know, and again, it was pre-PRB, but it was certainly uh, in the time of our OPSA. And there were some guys in the, you know, pre-recording pre, uh, pre now, obviously, Steve and I were talking about a, a mutual friend of ours that unfortunately passed away the other day. And he was one of the guys that got on board at the time. Uh, I'll mention some names. Steve will know them, you know, Louis, Louis Jacobs and all the guys from, from Central Plumbing in the old days and whatever. But, um, you know, I've, I've even our staff, you know, uh, when there's an OPSA meeting, we, I do encourage them to go. Um, 
again, you know, if I if I I think I did excuse me if I did touch on it just now. You, you have to invest in, a, in an industry that gives you your bread and butter. You know, if you're a plumber, if you're a plumbing supplier, if you're a merchant, if you're a manufacturer that manufactures a product for the plumbing industry, you've got to give it, you've got to give back. Um, you know, a business like Plumbing, obviously we, we, we're a big business and, and we owe our success to the plumbing industry ultimately. Um, and you, 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 you've got to plow a portion of what you, a thing that makes you successful and the thing that makes you monetary successful, a business like Plumbing makes money. Um, I think we all have to make money. Any plumber wants to make money. There's no point in doing it for free. But, you know, you, you, you do have to give back to a certain point of, of some kind, you know, so... A plumber, in my opinion, possibly needs to give back to his community. Do a job for free, you know, pro bono. Find out something at a school that might need some help, you know. And I think a lot of guys do, but there's also a lot of guys that don't, you know. Um, we try, obviously, uh, as a business for me, uh, you know, there's all sorts of – you can get these points back for doing this and whatever. And, I, you know, I, I say to all our guys, and, and you're welcome to verify it with them, I say, guys, if you, if you get an inquiry or – and we can't do it for everybody. Please let me make this very clear on the podcast – you know, we can't give everybody everything for free. You know what for I mean? Sure. But if there's if there's really a needy guy that's in need or something like that, we can assist with a product. Uh, you know, obviously there's limits to everything you do, but you know you have to give back. You know what I'm saying? And and you know whether whether it's a I don't know a big boss man of a, of a plumbing business that has got 40 employees, you've got to plow that stuff back in, and you as a, as an industry person needs to put something back in. You know, the, the guys that that don't or businesses that don't belong to our ops or individuals that don't belong to to PRB. I think is negligent to be honest with you. You know, you you're in an industry that ultimately pays your bread and butter. Be part of it. Partake. Even if even if you don't say anything, you've got to be part of it because otherwise everything that is said becomes mm-hmm. like this exclusive club that everybody I know that there's lots of talk in the industry about these exclusive clubs and old boys clubs and stuff like that. But interestingly mostly it comes from guys that don't partake. I'll leave it at that. I can attest to that because a lot of people said, you know, HIOPS is like this and PRB is like this. And I said, well, I'm going to go poke them in the eye and find out if they really like that. And I have to say, I mean, I, I know Gary from, from PRB board and, uh, and obviously our interactions as a business owner. So, and I know for a fact that that's not how it is. If you don't, if you don't make a concerted effort to know what's going on in your own industry, how do you expect to know anything or to change anything? Because sure. at the end of the day, people say, you know, one grain, as I say in China, I think like one grain of uh, rice nice. can change, can tip the, the scale. And that's it. You never know if you're that one grain of rice. And it's important for individuals to get part, to be part of industry bodies and to be part of associations that have got to do with their professions. Yeah. Just get involved. Doesn't doesn't cost anything to get involved. Do the right thing. There we go. There we go. I've said it again. Do the right thing. <laughs> Gary, I've, I've heard Lorraine mention the word, uh, uh, the board. Are you on the board of, 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 of either? Uh, PRB, yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. On the board of trustees. Okay. <laughs> Gary, you, you, you've touched on Plumblink and Plumblink's uh, success as an industry and, and, and it's to thanks. Uh, uh, um, it can be counted to, to the plumbers in the plumbing sector. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about Plumblink as an organization. Uh, tell us about the product development. Uh, what, what, is, what was the impact of COVID, the, the COVID-19 epidemic on business? Sure. Um, to, uh, th- there are a couple of questions that I have here, but I'll leave you off to, uh, sure. to start so let me, let me, I'll try and sort of, let's put them into little islands, if you want to call it that. So Plumlink, like I say, I've been, I've been part of Plumlink, uh, 
since uh, we sold our business in Polokwane to them those years. Um, obviously, Plumlink has gone through different owners and whatever currently belongs to Bidwest. Um, they, they bought it from Ethos, what's it now, five, oh, it must be five, five, just on five or six years ago. I um, might get the dates wrong. Um, so Plumlink, when, when I joined, well, when I came up to Johannesburg, essentially Plumlink had 19 or 20 branches, I think it was. Um, they were all very much destination stores. Um, uh, big stores, lots of stock, quite dirty, if I'm honest. Uh, trade counter, all the stock behind the trade counter because our customers steal from us, apparently. Um, all of this stuff, you know, plumbing plumbing was a different industry, you know, it wasn't... Um, Anyway, so we, we embarked on, uh, obviously, 2008 came, the, the financial crisis, and, and Plumbing really was, um, but Plumbing was in re- real trouble, let's put it like that. Um, we had to do something, we had to change the way we did stuff. Obviously, the, the financial crisis, I mean, everybody, you know, businesses went bankrupt, there was, there was lots of trouble. Um, and as a team of guys, we were probably 10 of us at the time, um, you know, we, we said we've got to take our business to the customer. That's really what it was. And we, we started, we didn't have the money, but we started We started to 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 create smaller stores, you know, and the guys called us Spaza stores, and that's fine. They can call us what they want. But the, the idea of the whole thing was to take our product to the customer. You know, my, my feeling specifically at the time was, you know, we had a branch in Arsenda. Obviously, as Arsenda is on the, the fringes of sort of Bedford, you, Eden Valley, if you want to call it that, in the back street somewhere. And, you know, my feeling was the guy that was in – uh, the other side of, let's say, Greenstone, he would never traipse across, you know, probably about 10 kilometers and take him half an hour to get to our center to come and buy an element or a thermostat for a geezer or a pipe fitting or whatever it might be. He'll go to the closest guy. So we started and we, we, we opened a little shop in the, in, in Boxburg. Um, it obviously wasn't very successful initially, but we learned stuff. We learned stuff. And again, you know, two years Two eyes, one mouth. Look and learn twice as much as you talk. Take your take your pain. Take the experience. Use it. Make it go forward. And we honed the process. We honed it, and we got it right. I think we got it right. It's not perfect, um, but you know, we currently we stand at 109 branches. Um, you know, what is interesting is uh, yeah, I might get the number slightly wrong, but I think we had about 700 staff when we had 19 stores. We've now got 109 stores, 964 staff. Oh wow! So you know. It's just about how you do stuff. Um, so, so Plumlink obviously has come a long way. Um, it's 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 been a very tough journey. I can tell you, 10, 12 years ago, it, it really wasn't pleasant. It, it's nice to to sit here and tell you guys about. Um, you know, we are doing well. We we are doing well, but it comes with hard work, and it's it's this is not a journey that happened. You know, it's not a 10, 12 week journey. It's, this for me personally is a 10, 12 year journey. You know what I mean? Not not to become the CEO in this thing to get it to work. You know, I came from Petersburg. I had nowhere else to go. I just moved to Joburg, so we had to make it work. So that's on the plumbing side of things. Um, I'm trying to remember the rest of your question, yeah, Willem, but. Uh, I think I think what was the, the other question that I was asking yes. was what was the impact of COVID nineteen this epidemic uh, on on the business of Plumic? So, it, so it should have had. An, an, so it did. Uh, you know, the difficulty with all of that is, and and it's, I guess it's something that doesn't scare me. It, it's 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 first time stuff. So first time stuff for me is first time stuff for you. It's first time stuff for Lorraine. Mm-hmm. You know. So the, the again, you go back. You asked me about the decision making and making decisions. You you go with what you feel is right at the time. There is no proven answer so really how can you be wrong the only, only time will tell you if it was wrong and time will tell you if it was right so obviously you know we 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 found out i suppose i found out about how this thing works and applying to get a, a permit to to stay open um understanding full well that you know the impact of the staff and trying to get people to work and whatever anyway we, we got our permit and we were granted our permit um 
we we took a decision on I think the lockdown was on the 26th of March. I know it was a Thursday, um, and we we kept I think it was 50 branches or 48 branches. We kept 50 or 48 branches open. Two guys in a store. Um, you know, we put a protocol in place where the doors were locked all the time, and you know, try and control the amount of people coming in and out and so on. And uh, by the end of by the end of April, um, we were up to about 58 branches that were open. And we opened all of our branches on the on the fourth of May again. So we, we obviously didn't, um, you know, financially it didn't make too much sense. We obviously lost money as did everybody, um, you know. But what we did do in that case, I, I do think there were there were a lot of guys, uh, customers, clients, potential clients, guys that have bought from us before, who whose traditional suppliers possibly were closed, and, and we were open. We tried hard to to service these guys, and um, so yeah, the impact for COVID for us certainly April was dire. Um, May was better. We probably did about 60, 65% of what we normally do. And we had a we had a wonderful month in June. We had a better month in July. And uh, August so far has been very good. You know, the, the difficulty about it, again, this is that to the business side of it. On the, the operational side of things, you know, getting people there, you know, encouraging people to work. Again, asking them to do stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily ask them to do. You know, the guys felt at risk. Uh, and I can understand it. it. It is like that, you know. But I also do believe that there's not a single person that works for plumbing that doesn't value their job. And I think it's been highlighted after COVID. So never take for granted what you've got. It can be gone tomorrow. Um, we've been very lucky. And, and I think it's because of the work ethic of our staff. It's the work ethic of our people. And, and to be honest, it's the ethic of our business. It's stuff that we built up, not just me, the guys that sit on my management team, the guys that run our regions, the, the guys that are in operations. All, all of our guys have a, have a specific work ethic. And, and that is to to make the company successful. Because if the company is successful, the people are successful. Absolutely. You know, I've mentioned that we employ about a 1,000 people. If you think about it, though, that 1,000 people ultimately probably – there's five or six thousand people that that feed out of those thousand people that we employ. Mm-hmm. It's in everybody's interest to make it work. And that's not just for plumbing. That goes for Lorraine sitting next to me. It goes for you and your business. It goes for Steve and his business. You know, it's 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 bigger than than what you have. And I, I promise you, sometimes guys that don't work hard enough, it's easy come, easy go. We don't tolerate people like that in our business. You, you get into it, you get your hands dirty, you roll your sleeves up, you get into the thing and you make it work. You have to make it work. Otherwise, the point is doing it. Again, do it for the right reasons and do it to the best of your ability. It's a simple thing. No, I think it's either being part of uh, one of the smaller bones in the body or being part of the backbone that yep. actually carries the body and Absolutely makes it stand right. upright. Quite right. Uh, tell us a little bit. You touched slightly on the on the subject of uh, the Bitvest uh, Plumlik buyout. What exactly did that entail? I was going to think how we're going to put this, but essentially we were we belong to a private equity company called Ethos. Um, Ethos, as Ethos does, is a private equity company. Obviously, they buy businesses, try and make them profitable or become profitable, and then sell them at a profit. I mean, there's no secret to that. Um, so yeah, Ethos wanted to um, dispose of the asset, if you want to call it that. Um, again, Willem, I can't give you the dates. It must have been in the region of uh, 2010, probably about 2015, I would think, around there. And um, you know, they the the, the business process works. Um, you know the things are put out that you know Ethos wants to sell Plumlink as, as a as a business and so on. And that whole thing went through. Um, we didn't think that ever that that a, a company like Bidvest, obviously, I mean everybody knows who Bidvest is. Uh, you know, very diverse business. Um, but yeah, you know they they 
they got involved, obviously, via the banks. The banks had put out, you know, sort of um, documents of, you know, new expressing interest, and and so we went. You know, there were a couple of guys sort of in the in the in the in the queue, if you want to call it that. Um, we did multiple presentations as a management team to, as a management team to different uh, prospective buyers, and as the process goes on, so these guys fall by the wayside. And long story short. Um, you know, Bidvest um, expressed their interest and, and the deal was done. Um, it, it's been wonderful for us, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Bidvest, you know, there, there's lots of, I guess, misconceptions, even from myself before the time, you know. Of course, we were, you know, people talk about being corporate and non-corporate. I think I think it, it doesn't matter what the size of your business. If you do 12,000 rand a year, you have to have some sort of corporate guidance around what you do. Again, it's the right and wrong of stuff. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the size, you know, people say, oh, but this is very corporate and everything. It wasn't like it wasn't corporate with Ethos. And it wasn't like it wasn't corporate with the previous people who investing. You know, you have to run a business by the rules. You've got to pay your taxes. You've got to do Absolutely. your stuff. You know, you've got to. So, you know, if, if any business doesn't do that, you know, essentially, I guess you're breaking the rule and, and you, sh- well, you're short selling yourself. But, 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 but with Bidvest, um, you know, they, they've they've believed in us as a management team. Ultimately, um, they've allowed us to invest, and obviously, when I say they invest, I mean it's their money ultimately that we use. But they've invested heavily in plumbing. They've allowed us to to establish a product of our own that we were along the lines with before they bought us. But you know, establish our own brand of product. Um, they've allowed us to expand. You know, to the tune of probably. On average, probably about six to eight branches a year that we've opened, getting to the 109 that we're on now. You know, you can't do that without some sort of capital injection. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can try and fund it yourself out of your business. Of course, you can. Um, but it's it's been a very good journey with Bidvest. Um, you know, the guys say, "Oh, but this and that." I'm saying, guys, you know, you, you've got to report your profits and your losses anyway. You know, whether you're reporting them to Bidvest or whoever, or to yourself, if you're not, you know, again, you you've got to do this in your business to make sure it's successful anyway. It's just a different. But you you've got to run your business with some sort of uh, what would you call it. Uh, some sort of ethic that makes sense. So, you know, it's a, a corporate ethic is not a corporate ethic. Yes, you've got to do this stuff, but I don't see why a corporate ethic should be any difference in a private business. You, you've got to do the same stuff to be to make it successful. It you've got to take care of your people. You've got to pay your UIF. You've got to, you know, pay your dues. Do what you should do. I don't know that that's corporate. I think it's just the rules, and one should abide by them. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely. Tell us, uh, Gary, is there any interesting news or events? within Plumlink, uh, are there any interesting things if happenings uh, in this plumbing industry happenings that you're aware of or, or if specifically within Plumlink or for Plumlink as a, as a, as a, as a business? Willem, you know, off, offhand, um, I can't really think of anything. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of our time and our effort as a, as a the team of people, in fact, as a team, the whole business, you know, has been sort of sidetracked with COVID. I'll be honest. You know, we, we have, we do have functions, you know, we have supplier functions, we have our, our staff function annually which uh, I guess I can tell you about it. You know, obviously we can't get all the guys together now, but we're going to try and do some sort of a, it's an awards evening where we celebrate the best of the best. And, and uh, we, (laughs) we, you know, we have these guys. uh, I I don't want that necessarily to go away. You know, every year we bring the guys up to Joburg is really for one evening. Um, We probably spend a lot of, lot, uh, far too much money on it, but it's, you know, it's worth it. It's, It's again, it's putting back into what you're getting out from the guys. And um, unfortunately, we'll, we're unable to do that now. Obviously, it's, it's, it's too late for it to be planned, and you, essentially you can't come up. Um, but uh, as far as industry events go, unfortunately, no, we've had to put a lot of it on the back burner. Um, but they're not, they're not 
cancel their, their postponed. So we, we'll try and do them going forward. Um, I can't think of anything else off that, no. Thanks for that, Gary. I appreciate that. Um, the, the plumbing industry and the plumbing sector, what challenges and what, what opportunities do you, as Gary Chandler, currently recognize within the plumbing sector? So within the plumbing sector, I suppose I've got to liken it to, uh, you know, to what plumbing does and we, and we supply product. That's what we do. We obviously don't do any installations and such like. Um, you know, I think there's, if I, if I look at opportunities, I think as a business, again, and I've got to contextualize it as, as plumbing, you know, I think we can continue to, to expand our business. Um, I don't know that there's a finite number of stores that we can open. You know, in my head, it's probably in the region of about 150 until we've sort of got a real good footprint. Only in South Africa, we, we can look beyond borders, but I think I'd certainly as a South African like to concentrate more on South Africa now before I decide to try and do anything else. Um, so there's an opportunity certainly in expanding our business there. Um, I do think there's an, uh, I can't tell you too much about it, but I, I do believe personally that there's, a, there's an ability to, for us to diversify a little bit within our business, but always stay specialized. I think staying as a specialized plumbing supplier works for us. You know, we don't sell paint, we don't sell roof trusses and such like. Um, there's a lot of people that sell paint and roof trusses that sell plumbing, but that's, I'll, I'll leave that at that. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, everything in business is really to try and capitalize on what you do well. Um, you know, so again, creating the stores that, that works for us. It comes, it doesn't come for free. You know, moving product around is expensive. We can probably streamline how we do that. Um, again, enhancing our product range possibly to a certain extent. Um, you know, PVC is PVC. It'll always be there. You know, whether you sell 10 of or 20 or 30 of, you know, it's all relative, you know, and the guys will use it. I think we would like to, and this is not my forte, but the IT guys tell me this and the, you know, the online guys with the, what do they call it? Uh, social media and, and stuff was not my forte. Um, you know, I think there's an opportunity for us to exploit there. And it's not exploitation, it's it's utilized. It's, exploit sounds terrible. Um, you know, I think we could do that as, as a brand, as a business, to be honest. Um, I think we could we could certainly sort of leverage some sort of extra volume out of that. And obviously extra volume is to, is to be successful. Um, you know, at the end of it, you know, plumbing product is plumbing product. And, and you know, when I sit back, and to be honest, I mean, the, 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 the product that we stock and supply, the vetting of the product, the quality of the item that we supply, you know, that all of that carries our name on it as well. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a certain amount of taps that one can sell. There's a certain amount of parts that one can sell. You know, there's, it's easy to go and add another 20 ranges of taps, but you actually just confuse the customer, to be honest. You know, it's – so, you know, there, there's – there's not a, a, a new pipe system, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that are out there. Um, but I think the, the biggest opportunity, I guess, for us comes in, 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 in streamlining what we do. Um, I think it is relatively streamlined. You know, we're not, we're not a business that throws cash away, trust me. You know, we really look at our expenses hard. Um, we probably, if our, my staff or any of our staff listen to this, they'll probably roll their eyes. We're very hard on expenses. You know, we don't, we don't just, because it's, it, it, some of it is wasteful. Uh, we have established a thing which also unfortunately got put on the back burner a little bit. Um, it's called the, the Beehive. Uh, I can't go into too much detail about that, but essentially we're asking all our staff to tell us where we think we can we can save. You know, if, you, if you're sitting in your store, and like I say, we have pretty much 109 premises, and there's an incandescent lamp burning there, and it burns day and night and whatever. So we, you know, we're looking at silly things, you know, water and lights accounts. Uh, 
uh, electricity bills. Um, you know, we, we can have a branch of 400 square meters and compared with a branch of 400 square meters, and the one's electricity consumption and usage is, is four, five, six times what the other one is. You know, that's quite simple. You know, we, we can talk to the landlord, certainly, but, you know, what is the harm in going and buying, I don't know, 20, you know, low, low wattage uh, energy saving globes? You know, and, and there's stuff like that, you know, and that, that again costs nothing. You're doing it for the right reason. Yes, of course, there's a spin back on the saving, but, you know, saving two grand a, a month per store across, you know, it, people don't think it's a lot. The thing is across 109 stores, if you can achieve that sort of stuff, you know, it's all the exponential. So, so it's, it's, it's streamlining and, and, and always boxing smarter, you know, don't look harder, work cleverer. And, um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing for us to, to, again, I'm not going to use exploit to try and do better streamline gary gary from your side do you have uh, any last words any any words of advice and or motivation or inspiration to the audience mem- audience members out there to the guy that's listening well there's lots i could say you know well, there's again there's so much that i've learned over my lifetime but uh yeah i think do do something do it properly um two eyes two ears one mouth look and listen twice as much as you talk um do things for the right reason and and i guess in my in my golden age i'm not exactly old yet but you know lead by example you know you 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 know when you know when the transition comes you 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 may not recognize it but the transition comes when i get invited to something like this you know you don't i'm just a regular guy trying to do the right thing just get along be be kind be gracious be a gentleman and and do stuff for the right reasons um it'll it'll take you a long way it's taken me where i am and be honest that's all quite simple yeah put on a plane and send it to china gary you know off you go but i think uh, yeah i think gary just to, just to say one thing i mean you know in terms of this whole discussion and you know and it really gets down to hard tax that you know if you do put your shoulder to the wheel um you know the sky is certainly not the limit and you're certainly the epitome of that in that you know you, you've come through the hard yards and and you've learned by the school of hard knocks and and you've achieved Achieved. And I think, you know, we've had a couple of guys, uh, we had Brennan and Lee, and I think that, you know, the perception always comes that you look at somebody that's at the top of the pile and you think they just landed there. And I think that is what's come out from you today is that, as you've said, you know, <clears throat> hard work and, and it, nothing is unachievable. So I really do want to thank you for today, uh, for the time that you've spent. It really has been inspiring and inspirational. And uh, thank you very much and all the best, Gary, to another 30-odd years. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. It was nice for you guys to uh, take me back in my history a little bit. I haven't revisited that for a while. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been a wonderful opportunity, and uh, I appreciate it very much. Thank you, guys. Gary, thank you so much for your time. Thank you thank you for your time and your effort, and thank you for the information and, and, and uh, the, the insight that you've given to the audience members. I think that people will carry a lot of value out of this kind of conversation that we've had today. I know that uh, time is an invaluable commodity and and that it's very valuable to you as well. So uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for having come and join us in the studio. Lorraine, thank you for having been my anchor. Steve, on your side, thank you for having been my anchor. I think this was a wonderful inspiration, inspirational, motivational uh, discussion. And I hope that uh, the audience members, and I do believe that the audience members can take home a lot of good out of this conversation. That's wonderful. Thank you. If we reach 10 people, we've done well. That's all we need to do. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time and the invitation. I really do. Thank you. Before I say goodbye to our audience, 
I'd like to encourage you to follow Articulate It Plumber on Instagram and Facebook, not only to find out more about the Man in the Van podcasts, but also more about any other exciting and interesting news we may have. Our handle on both Instagram and Facebook is Articulate It Plumber. Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion. 